This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is up, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. We are obviously missing Colin. He's uh, been out with... Um, I don't know, some kind of sickness or something. He's got like the the cold, the flu. That's what happens when you got kids. Yes. You got a lot of kids, Lindsay. Uh, just two. Just two. Just two. Yeah, two's a lot these days. They're twins. So that's yeah. a lot. So first question of the day, <laughs> uh, any relation to uh, Will? Is your dad named Will? No. No. Uh, no relation to No relation Will to John Farrell. Farrell. No relation to John Farrell. So you're just no. a lone Farrell out here. Yes. Our big claim to fame is that my husband's uncle uh, was a longtime uh, baseball coach. Award-winning mm. at Conroe High School. So Farrell Field. Wow. That's, that's us. I bet there's a few people who've listened who probably played at Farrell Field. Probably. Certainly folks on the north side. A lot of people, lot of people don't only guys play baseball. Mm-hmm. Me included. No, nice. Never said I was good at it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lindsay, you're with uh, Well Drive. Walk us through, like, high level. Like, what is like what is Well Drive? What is Well Drive? Um, so, easiest way to explain is um, we are a data management as a service company um, that really focuses on getting good data in. Um, and by that, I mean good, clean data. So, we collect everything that's happening out in the field during operations, um, whether it's structured or unstructured data structured or unstructured data, anything like that, and then um, organize it, categorize it, meta tag it, and get it all nice and pretty and cleaned up before it goes on to the next person. But you guys are not just a service company, right? You guys see yourselves as more of like a software company, right? Right, yes. there's like a technology component that leverage, like you're able to leverage to do everything that you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, I mean, it is data management as a service, but it's a data management platform as a service. Yeah. I think um, when we talked, and I think, I think, I don't know if I butchered it or not, but was the the elevator pitch, like, hey, you're like Dropbox, but if Dropbox went in there and just cleaned up all your data for you? Kind sort of. of. Yeah. No? I mean, yes. But. But. Um, well, two things. One, we cleaned it up. Um, and so it's like if your Dropbox were to make everything nice and pretty and organized. I wish Dropbox would do that. Yes, that'd be amazing. If it like combed through all your like 10,000 fi- photos you have of your children, half yes. of which are like they automatically get them not looking yeah. at the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then the other part is that we actually then distribute that information to partners, mm. other colleagues, service companies, um, maybe someone who's coming in later in the operation to let them know what's been done before. Um, all based, of course, like we're, we're the operator's agent. Um, so we only share information that they allow us to. It's all, but it's all proprietary during the operation. So you guys are more like not data management in the sense of like, I mean, maybe you are, but I'm thinking whenever I think data management, I think of just like internal data for the operators that just like only them. It's proprietary data that they pull from SCADA or from gauging or any other kind of information from the pumpers. But it seems like you guys are more so at that intersection of like transactions right? Between like 20 different parties mm-hmm. and the operators going, where's my data? Who has my data? Oh, everybody has my data. Yeah. And then instead of having to wrangle it all together and then figure out like, okay, well, I've got 20 terabytes from this one job. How do I get it first off? Yeah. Right. We deal with really large files. This episode's on 4k on the video it takes forever to upload. Right. And that's only like, I don't know, 50 gigs really. And then you think about terabytes. So how do you get it? Yeah. And once you get it, it's like, oh, this is a disaster. Right. right. And then making it all kind of just speak to each other. And then once you have it together, 
you guys are handling distributing it to the next person. Yeah. The next yeah. people and all the different parties. Yeah. That's actually a really big task. It is. Um, I mean, we, we've boiled it down and thrown out some buzzwords of, you know, we're the data sanitation engineers, the data janitors, if you will. Data janitors. Um, I don't know how sexy that sounds. I mean, but it's I mean, you're trying, to, right? you're trying to create new buzzwords. Here. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Always. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big job in that, you know, lots of things have been automated in the last, yeah. you know, decade or so. And um, so there's some great stuff that's coming direct from the wellhead, but there's also tons of information still that's, I performed this service, this was the, um, you know, pressures that I read. These were the, this was the tweak that I did to this, that, and the other, you know, these even web logs and stuff like that, that these are the, this is the information that's not necessarily something that you can just turn into a computer system. Um, mm. and so all that information, we work with all the service companies to go out on the operator's behalf, collect all of that. So we have a platform that our service companies can either access um, by logging in online using the app or um, they can API, which we love. That's a big thing for us. Um, and just to clarify, just because I had this happen one time, when you say API, it's not the API well number. Okay. This no, is, <laughs> no. Um, I think it's just for application protocol interface, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I... Funny story, side tangent, was trying to connect with uh, one of our companies in the past with IHS. I call up IHS and I'm like, hey, do you guys have an API? And they're like, yeah, we have the API number. It's like in the wellheader information. And I'm like, you're IHS. You should have an <laughs> API. And they were like, oh, well, we don't. So yes. you're kind of shit out of luck. But. Um, it's okay. We also... I've gotten people ask about the American Petroleum Institute. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, yep. not that API yep. either. No, Sorry. Mm -mm. Um, but we do... We will collect and organize and send along your <laughs> API numbers um, along with all the other, you know, wellheader data um, that needs to get sent from one place to another. Um, but yeah, so we we go, we work with the service companies. Um, we have them s submit their information just as soon as activity is happening. Mm -hmm. Any of that stuff that's automated just comes in automatically. Um, and then um, our system goes through about it's almost 2,000 checks now um, to make sure this is the right file name. This is the right file type. This is, um, you know, what we were expecting. So, like, if you are doing frac state, you're, you've got your frac stages going and someone submits frac stage 31 and the system says, well, we just had frac stage 11, frac stage 12, frac stage 31 is not right. Um, yeah. It'll flag it. And, um, and then we have a very teeny tiny team who will actually go look it up and see what the right thing should be. If they need to call the service company guy, because the service company guy didn't put all of the details in, he'll call up the service company guy um, and he'll take care of that. And then we get it all nice and organized and clean and then send it on to the folks that need to need to have it. You guys are like a godsend for engineers. You know who hates doing this stuff? Engineers. They yes. hate getting paid a ridiculous amount of money to source data, try to wrangle it all together, clean it up, and then try to like manipulate it in some way to like work with it. Yeah. So like, this should be a really easy sell if like the guy that you're like pushing it to is an engineer and be like, listen, I'm going to take all this shit off your plate. Yes. I mean, when I, when I first saw the product, I was working for, I was doing business development for a GIS consulting company. And, um, I was talking to them about some ways to do map interfaces and things like that. And once they told me really what WellDrive was, I was like, man, I would have loved this 11 years ago when I was a TA at Lynn Energy, like having to go dig through paper well files or through random shared folders, some people's hard drives, 
flying out to Borger just to find one tiny piece of information for some of our panhandle assets. I mean, data was just everywhere and it was so disorganized, so disorganized. So, and then that, let's just to pause there, that was 11 years ago, has, excluding what you guys are doing, let's just take the general consensus of the industry, has data management in the industry changed? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. And which is so astonishing. So like you said, so you didn't, you didn't, you didn't start off in data management. You started off kind of from the accounting side of the business. So let's dive into like your whole history of like coming into the, into the industry. Yeah. Do you like, do you know you wanted to be in oil and gas forever? Or was that just like I mean, I was kind of born kind of into thing? it, you know. You were born a, into it? Yeah. Okay. Um, my dad was in oil and gas out in the field. And, um, so you were born in the field. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so we bounced around Texas quite a bit, but I'm a Texas girl born and raised. So he's an engineer, landman? He was a mud logger for a long time. Okay. And then he ended up moving kind of up the ranks into more managerial business processy type things. and But especially in, you know, drilling and directional drilling and things like that. And eventually started his own consulting company that's been going strong now for... 30, almost 40, 30 years, 30 years. Yeah. It'll be 30 years next year. Wow. Yeah. Mudlogging. Every time I hear mudlogging, it takes me back to the time when I was like 18 and one of my buddies got his job for his first job in oil and gas. I had no exposure to oil and gas. We were living in Bryan College Station. Apparently it's everywhere around us. And he was just like, yeah, I'm just, I, I mudlog. And I'm like, what the, that sounds so boring. And he's like, but then tell me how much he was making. And I was like, how do I get a job mudlogging? <laughs> this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know? So and just every time I think about that, it kind of just takes me back to the early days of, you know, yeah. being a teen in the twenties. So, so you're, you were bored into oil and gas, right? So what was your kind of your first position in the, you, you went and studied accounting. I went and studied accounting, um, cause I wanted something that was a little more stable than oil and gas, which yeah. is kind of a funny, it's funny, <laughs> funny, funny how the, you ended up here. Anyways. Oh, I ended up here anyways. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I started out as an auditor and had a super awesome first year and had a year in client every single quarter. So mm. I had four back-to-back busy seasons and I decided that was enough. <laughs> mm. um, most people don't get that. I think sounds like an awful job for being honest. I mean, the, the, the need behind audit is great. Yeah. So accounting has this whole, you know, everything needs to be verified. Everything's got to be, mm-hmm. you know, ticked and tied and, you know, T's crossed and dies audit. Jeez. Dies audit. Dies audit. <laughs> yeah. Audit. Ugh. Um, T's crossed and I's dotted. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got this ingrained in me, this like, you've got to have this verification. You've got to have this verification. So I left accounting, um, the public sector, at least of accounting, to go to um, oil and gas accounting um, for a company that I'd heard a lot of great things about. They were growing. It was Lynn Energy. There was only about Lynn 80. was booming back in the day. There were only 80 of us when I started. Wow. It was really small. What year was this? Uh, 2008. 2008, yeah. Lynn yeah. was like blowing and going. Yes. I know a lot of people, you, you've been around the industry a long time in Berlin. I remember kind of, yeah, it was, I came in the industry much after that, but um, even in 2013, 2014, yeah. they were still doing well. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they, I mean- I I left in 2011 when we had just finished another couple of acquisitions and we were about 800 people big, and it was starting to get a little too a little too big for me. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to. And Austin. you guys were already public at that time, right? Uh, no, uh, no, but we were an MLP. Okay, so you know that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> As did all the MLPs. <laughs> but uh, so um. Oh no, I meant for me personally. That was a good little ride. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> both. <laughs> the uh the so I, I got an opportunity to return to Austin, Hookham, um, and uh go work for another little startup, EMP Three Rivers. And so I was like, heck yeah, I love this kind of startup 
ENP world. Let's do it. Um, and for those of you don't know, you're kind of like downplaying Three Rivers. Three Rivers has been like massively, massively successful. Yes. Um, it was such a fun company to work for. And, and I can't say, what's Mike's last name again? Wisteridge. Wisteridge. I can never like, I, I know how it's spelled, but it's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> it's okay, really. you still didn't get it right, but Wist, it's okay. Wisteridge. <laughs> Wisteridge. Um, like Worcestershire. <laughs> kind of. Um, but yeah, uh, great, great guys at the helm there. Um, and I probably would have stayed a lot longer, but it kind of came down to job or fiance. Mm. Chose fiance and I'm very happy with that decision. Because <laughs> uh, he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he wasn't listening. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've obviously been married now for eight years with two beautiful kids. So super happy about that decision. Um, eight year gang. Yeah. Um, 2013 is where it's at. Hey, what, what month? May. We got June. You beat us by a month. May 18th. Twinsies. Anyways, okay, so you you left Three Rivers, even though it was massively successful. Got married. You guys came back to Houston? Uh, you came out, well, he, he never did get to leave because um, he okay. was working for NRG, and that's okay. kind of the rigmarole of I had to decide you yeah. know, his job's here, and yeah. he was here. and So, um, so I ended up back here, and... Um, that aforementioned consulting company that my dad created. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll give you a little, you know, father-daughter love, little boost. And uh, how about you just, I've got a BA role um, over at one of the super majors. Why don't you join up um, and just do this for a little while while you kind of get your footing again in Houston and decide what it is you want to do next. Um, and that ended up turning into a seven-year uh, gig where I built out a whole like accounting and finance and supply chain technology consulting group and everything under him. It was a lot of fun. Who do you work with? Um, Chevron, Conoco. Those were kind of my main two. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a number of years um, specifically at Chevron going through. Well, I got in there to do some BA work. And, um, you know, at the time, they really just needed some AFE versus Wellview versus actuals. And um, I figured out that e-invoicing was kind of becoming a new thing. And um, while it was fantastic and helped some of the workflow, uh, it lost some of the technology um, validation, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so there was a disconnect between the way that cost codes were structured and coded and tracked in the field versus the way they were for accounting. And so it kind of went back to that accounting mindset of, wait, wait, wait. So, So in accounting, there was no trust. It was all verify. Now I'm over here in ops where it's all trust and no verify. This is a little mm. bit scary. Um, and so I just kind of started digging around with permission, of course, but um, yeah. asking, you know, how do we, how do we move some of this trust without verification mm-hmm. in, and how do we come to a happy medium of trust, but verify. And um, so I started just kind of working with different technology teams there until we finally changed Ariba and got the right kind of cost coding structure in place and got it in. And, uh, and change then, Ariba. That sounds like an act of God. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Lots of people told me that was never going to happen. Um, but I'm very persistent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, so would you start off with like Chevron, you knocked it out there that kind of became your baby and then you went to Conoco to the same thing? Uh, kind of, there was, um, a little thing called a downturn in the middle of that. Oh, so, yeah, um, that. yeah, so that kind of, put a few things on the back burner. But, um, at that point, not only was I more entrenched at like in supply chain, um, in the e-invoicing world, but e-ticketing was becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I had been working with the operators about really how to get into that space, how to, how to, you know, improve data collection in the field. Um, and especially on the, you know, unstructured side. 
And um, so I was talking to all these ticketing companies and um, we found they, or I found, I guess, um, the, the, the ticketing companies were having a lot of success really overhauling service companies, whole operations, how they, how they set up their jobs, how they dispatch, how they, you know, put out purchase orders, how they then do and deliver the work. And so they were doing phenomenal things in that space, but it was very service company focused. Mm -hmm. So operators are going, well, that's great. And I'm glad that you guys have electronic tools for this now, but I don't necessarily want to learn the 75 different tools. Yeah, what a pain. Yeah. And so, um, so I was just hell bent on bridging that gap. And, um, so I worked with Conoco on a special project to do that. Um, really wish I knew about well drive back at that time. Um, uh, but you know, we probably interviewed, I don't know, 40 different companies to try to find something that could fit that space of how do we, how do we ingest all this different, all these different service ticket solutions, mm -hmm. bring them in and get everything into the format and structure that the operator would like to see. Yeah. So that some not sort only of like middleware that you kind of yeah. communicate through. Right? Yeah. Some sort yeah. of middleware that not only would support some of the needs for supply chain, which, you know, e-invoicing certainly mm -hmm. does, but in real time, how does this also support the needs for operations? And so, um, we tried a couple things over there, um, and it was pretty exciting, um, but nothing ever really fully came together. There just wasn't a solution. So at the time, I started to think, maybe there needs to be a solution, and maybe I don't need to be in consulting anymore. Um, and so I decided to to part ways with that world and um, go and try and figure Later, dad. Yeah. Um, he was supportive. He was supportive because he was like, you know, yeah, technology is, you know, the future. Oh. And by all means, like this is something you've spent the last seven years working on and you see that there's a need for it. Um, so sure. Yes. Fully support it. Um, and so I started to, or so I kind of took my year of just trying to figure it out, um, a little non-compete and all that. And that's mm -hmm. how I stumbled across, um, WellDrive and, um, and when I, once I saw them, I was like, you are the solution I have been looking for. Were you just at home just like career. Googling solutions for this problem this whole time or how'd you? Um, I mean, like when, when we had the project at, at mm -hmm. Conoco, um, you know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, and we, and we had, we did an RFP and we had interviews and we had just all these people come in and, and our team, our consulting team was helping them evaluate some of this and. Um, narrow the, you know, narrow the pool down and everything. And we were just going to every ends of the earth. We were pulling people from, you know, manufacturing, transportation. I mean, just really reaching outside of oil and gas as much as we could yeah. to see how to resolve this data management, data collection, data organization, and as in as close to real time as possible in a way that's not overwhelming mm -hmm. to the individual that wants to consume that data. And so when I walked into to WellDrive that day, I was just there to talk about maps and, um, you know, they start telling me, okay, well, let me show you, here's what we do. And so they, they show me this database where they're like, yeah, so everything comes in and, you know, we organize it and we categorize it and we clean it all up. And then, you know, we just send it along its way. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> you know? And so they said it and they were like, what? And they said, you know, it's just, it's, you know, kind of like a digital well file. And I was like, no. No, it's so much more than that. Um, and then they said, well, what do you mean? And um, so we talked and, and, and they had some ideas too. They just wanted to see what I thought, um, obviously. But uh, 
so they said, or I told them that, man, when I was having to do, you know, lease reviews and things like that, this would have been amazing as a TA, BA at Lynn. And then um, I ended up talking to them a little bit about the whole ticketing solution mm-hmm. that I had been kind of looking for and trying to figure out if I was going to have to develop my own thing and learn how to code or find someone much smarter than me to you develop that. <laughs> and I was determined to fix this problem. And um, so, uh, like I said, I'm very persistent. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I kind of realized this this solution is here. It already exists and it is the best kept secret in the world. And it turns out they've been around since 2010. They also had a somewhat similar problem. Um, when they first started, uh, Charlie Winston was trying to get some very large GNG files sent around that it couldn't go through email because it was too big. Cause it was all like pre cloud. Um, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get that information to the right person. And then he noticed that, you know, even if he was able to get it to the right person, a lot of times, you know, him being a little bit of the middleman, that per- that information was wrong. And he was like, I just feel like I'm spending all my time as a geologist having to clean up other people's data yeah. instead of it just being right from the get-go. Um, and so, and and we're not talking just the data that comes in immediately. I mean, there's a whole thing that any BA will tell you. Well, months later, months later, once you actually have all the accounting, you know, which is truly the accurate data, like that's when you go back and you do your analysis and then you go and you tell the engineering team and then they go and they change all their old information. And um, that doesn't really, that doesn't really do much for the whole real time improvement uh, world. And so, so um, I talked to them about coming on board. Um, You know, I just said this, this kind of seems like a really good fit and y'all are pretty small. I love working with small companies and um, I know how to build a website and I know how to do accounting and I know how to be excited about stuff. So what do you say? <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so they said, come on, let's do it. And um, I started in the middle of February last year, right before coronavirus. <laughs> great timing. It's the same time we went full time. And then I went negative 37. I was like, this is the greatest choice I ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out it was, but um, at the time it was pretty like, it's pretty bleak. Yes. Like we have, we have enough cash to last this a year, so we're good. Uh, so I guess we'll just hunker down and build. Right. Right. As did most other companies. Yes. So you came on to wear like 20 hats, right? I mean. You you took over most of like the BD stuff, right? This episode is brought to you by Datagration. Now we've partnered with these guys over the last probably five months so far. The reason we did is because if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that data management is probably one of the biggest issues that we see in this industry. If you don't have a strong foundation, if you don't have clean data sets, if you don't have data that you can work with, how do you expect to really get any work done? You know, and so Petrovisor, which is the, the platform that Datagration has built, is really enabling the end user. It's the engineers, it's the geologists, anybody else who's crunching data to be able to do a lot more with a lot less. It's really, really difficult to go and hunt down data in a bunch of different data silos and spreadsheets and, and paper that needs to be manually inputted. These guys have already automated all of the workflows for you to make it extremely simple. It's really, really powerful. And I know they have a ton of really, really big announcements coming out soon. So we're so thankful to these guys for partnering with us over the last five months. If you really need to get your data management on lock, I would hit them up, reach out to the guys over at Datagration or go to datagration.com. Yeah, so I really came on to um, do business development. That was supposed to be, you know, like 60 to 70% of my job and then like, a little bit of marketing to help finish up the website and yeah. then if needed accounting. 
Um, then coronavirus happened and shut, you know, 90% of that down. And then a lovely thing called the CARES Act came out. So I got super entrenched in the PPP uh, funding program mm -hmm. um, and how to make that work for our organization. And um, in the midst of that, I can't help myself when I see a mess, I have to clean it up. So I did a whole bunch of accounting cleanup and stuff like that. Um, and then just got to know WellDrive and the product and really, really hunkered into, or, you know, settled into doing a lot of the marketing work. Um, because mm -hmm. that's really all you could do during, you know, people weren't taking meetings and they weren't, they weren't drilling. Um, that was certainly something for us that was a challenge. Um, cause most of our, our software support has really been on the drilling and completion side of things. And, um, so when I came on, we had started talking about how to diversify, how to create some, you know, smoother revenue streams, maybe a little, little less volatile. And, um, in the last year, the team has worked amazingly hard at building out, um, a whole production, um, component and as well as a whole suite of services and products for, um, the A and D world. Mm. So, um, lots of kind of historical cleanup or new cleanup data vaults, um, all sorts of fun stuff. In Are that you familiar space. with how the, uh, kind of the vetting process goes on most large AD packages? Um, I have been educated. Spot check? No, I've no, that's not a term I have heard. Spot check. Okay. I'm just going to take this. Does this part of the package look good in terms of due diligence? Right. Like, because it's so overwhelming to be like, for one, you think about if you're looking at I don't know, a package of like 2,000, 3,000 wells, right? How do you realistically do due diligence with a small team in a short period of time? Yeah. You kind of just take some of your best performing assets, do some due diligence there and say, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's, that's kind of that whole world that I was talking about of coming into operations was, is there's so much of that, you know, again, trust, but not verify, but no. spot check. And you're going, I hope that's, I hope that's right. Um, yeah, there's, um, there's not a lot of time to figure out a whole lot. Um, and certainly the reservoir engineers are just bending over backwards to get whatever kind of analysis they can get done. And so what we want to do is help those decision makers really get the best information possible as, and as much of that information out as possible to be able to do the kind of analytics they need to do to really make valuable decisions and yeah. not just optimistic ones. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we, we, so the A and D accelerator is, um, we can take a subset of your wells and, um, will, or the whole package if you want, um, whatever you have, whatever you've got at the time. Um, and we will, um, either work with one of our partners to pull in if you have paper data files or if you've got digital files, we'll put everything through the well drive system. It'll do all those checks like it normally does in real time and it'll spit out things that are missing or wrong. Um, meta tag and organize everything so that you've got consistent nomenclatures, consistent, um, you know, co or um, just consistency across kind of all your data. Um, yeah. And then, and you can actually find everything, which is nice. If I was a Railway Commission or the OCC or any of the other regulatory bodies, I would make this mandatory. Yeah. And we are um, so far, I mean, we, we've just really been focusing on the proprietary data space, yeah. but we have talked about like, man, we could get our claws into the RRC or, you know, even the um, uh, BLM, like, and help just help clean up their data. Their I data mean, is bad. It'd be amazing. It's bad across the board. I'm going to tell you right now. And it's not their fault. I mean, it is, but it's not. Um, you know, you've you never really had any young guys kind of come in there and run the organizations necessarily yeah. or be able to change things at that level. Man, so what's... Well, I mean, not to sound, not to keep going back to accounting, but like there's just hasn't been a regulatory body that has demanded it yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have the SEC with all of its oversight of public companies. And so therefore auditing 
is a thing, especially public company auditing. And then, of course, Enron created the plethora of jobs that mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I'm going to go do that because I'll have a job for life. Yeah. Um, thanks, Enron. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, there's, you know, we're in a high stakes industry. And so some of the decisions, you know, yes, lots of them are driven by financial information, but there's tons of stuff that there's a safety component. And yeah. and so to to not have everything, you know, totally verified, it, it's a little bit scary when you think about it. Um, you know, and most people who are working truly in the lives or with their with the lives of other people in their hands, there's a lot more verification. And that's what we really want to move. We want to move the, I would imagine that and maybe you guys have thought some about this, but I've thought a lot about it in terms of like how blockchain can solve a lot of these issues of like, you imagine if you were to, you know, create some sort of, uh, you know, a, just call it a chain for each individual. Well, now you have an immutable ledger that everything that's possibly ever happened from a data standpoint can live on that. Whoever owns it at the time can have access to the keys. Right. You do A and D pass off, you pass off, even instead of passing off 2,000 well files, you're passing off 2,000 keys and you have access to it. Third parties are verified. Like it's just yeah. like this whole system of trust and everything's ideally perfect. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues with that, but I think it solves most of the problems that we're talking about. Yeah. And if you really think about what well drive is, you know, we're we're not blockchain in the sense of mm -hmm. what actual blockchain is, but it's kind of like Legos to then an architect. Yeah. You know, we've got the initial product there that collects all this data from so many different sources, verifies it, meta tags it, organizes it so that it is tied to that one mm -hmm. asset and then it doesn't move. Yeah. Um, we can we can copy that on and send that on to other folks, but we always have that proprietary copy held for you um, in our private cloud. And mm -hmm. so um, when it's really great when, um, you know, there is a lot of M&A activity. So we just recently had um, Guidon was a longtime client and mm. um, they were purchased by Diamondback. Okay. It took us less than two hours to transfer all of Guidon's assets over to Diamondback because all we had to do was change permissions. And they literally had the entire history, entire history of everything that had happened since we've been working all data. for them. All data. All of it. Structured, boy. unstructured. Yeah. I mean, it's the data doesn't move, but the ownership of it does. So he, let me ask you this. This to me is such an easy sell. Yet, like, what are the challenges that say you guys are experiencing when going to the market past COVID? Okay. We know, we know the excuses. Yeah, obviously for COVID. COVID was, but let's just look at, challenge. let's just say like last maybe year, last six months in the event that somebody's like, yeah, you know, maybe this is cool or whatever, but like, yeah, we're not going to go. Like I see it as almost absolutely essential. For every single EMP to well, and have this is, something like this. This is part of the reason that, you know, Derek and Ed and Charlie and the other guys all decided that we needed a push in business development. I mean, um, you know, when I have met them, there was no marketing side of the website. There was a login page. Yeah. And like that was it. And um, and so then when they told me what they were doing, I'm going, This is this is amazing. You know, this is something that everyone should be doing. And um, so you know, we talked about really kind of go-to-market strategy and like step one, let's at least get a website. And, um, you know, we're constantly trying to update that and improve that and do more with marketing, um, you know, but balance, balancing that also with all the other needs of the organization. So, I mean, we, um, as, as, <laughs> as I tell people sometimes, I'm like, I think Ed either thinks I'm nuts or he loves me. And then he says both, but, um, I came up with this very like 
preschool game to play so that people at conferences would understand what we do very simply. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, at first everyone was a little bit like, oh my God, this girl is trying to make our booth like a, like a kindergarten show. And um, kind of, I mean, not, not in a, in a, uh, what am I trying to say? Insulting kind of way, but certainly in a simplification kind of way. And so it was awesome at, um, let's see, I guess it was Doug, uh, Permian and then Ertek Mm -hmm. just watching every person who came to the booth and played the game, just watching that like light bulb moment where they're going, yes, I need this. We'll explain the game. Um, okay. So it's better if we actually play. So, um, but I did not bring it today. Cause we'll play imaginary, we'll imaginary, play imaginary game. So, um, round number one. Okay. Um, I am trivia. No, but there's no, three rounds. Okay. Um, so round number one is, um, I'm going to open up a tackle box of all sorts of little knickknacks and doodads. Okay. And, um, I have given you a pattern of four or five little pieces that I want you to recreate. Okay. Round number one, that tackle box I mean, there's just, it's just a mess. It's like somebody shook it up and then turned mm-hmm. it over and handed it to you. Um, so you open that up. You have, we said 15 seconds. Um, you have 15 seconds to figure out the pattern. Mm-hmm. Nobody did it. Nobody. Um, and I mean, we probably did that game over 500 times now in the last month. Round number two, uh, same thing. I want you to recreate that pattern. But this time when you open it up, your tackle box is organized by color and shape. Um, mm-hmm. And so now everything is organized and nice and and good. And, you know, it's very easy to see. It's very easy to find things. And so they could create whatever patterns we gave them, um, out of, out of those pieces. Fastest time I think was seven seconds by someone. So kudos kudos to them. Um, and then the last round, um, we would challenge you to beat your time. Um, and you would open up, but I would let you have the, the look at the tackle box before. So you could see where you working with the messy tackle box or the organized tackle box. So luckily mm-hmm. for you, you're working with the organized tackle box again. So we're really talking about just beating your time. You open it up, you open up the, the second piece, which is a solution box. Um, you open that up and lo and behold, it's already done for you. And Ooh, that, the mic. yeah, um, that represents um, really moving into the API space and getting all of our service companies and our operators connected that way. Because what we have right now is data is living everywhere. Data is, um, you know, it's just, it's messy. It's in somebody's, it's on somebody's computer or no one was ever actually going to finish round one because um, I specifically chose pieces that were not in there because inevitably there's a piece of data that just never makes it into the, the environment that, people are working in. Um, it either is stuck on someone's dashboard or it just never got typed in or that thought just never got captured or whatever. And, um, but so that's kind of the world we live in now. And so with WellDrive, you're now going to get the organized tackle box. And so it's going to be nice and, and, um, pretty if you will. Um, and everything's going to be easy to find and easy to grab and easy to move on to the next person. And we're going to deliver it to you however you want to see it. Spend more time fishing. Exactly. Less time in the tackle box. Exactly. Yeah. And that's an easy sell. Which is why we give away a apparently fantastic uh, fishing rod, reel, and tackle box at these events. Um, I'm not a fisherwoman <laughs> myself, but maybe I need to start. <laughs> you might, you might need to start. Yeah. So, do you know? Um, this is kind of a side tangent. Do you know uh, Spencer Morrison by any chance? No, I do. What's the task? So Spencer puts out a lot of content around uh, data management. He's been in that the, that space in upstream his pretty much his entire career. And you know, one of the things he likes to talk about is that. Um, 
you know, we collect all this data yet, like 3% of data that we collect is even used in the first place. And is it, is our are operators actually demanding this and just not using it? Or is service providers just giving them access to everything? And then they're like, we still don't know what to do with it. Like, how do we, how do we solve this problem? Right. Cause you would like to, you would ideally like to think that, oh, there's some sort of value that we can extract. Out of it's like being a hoarder. It's like being yeah. a data hoarder. You're like, I want to keep all this data. We know one day we'll be able to tap into it. And we're going to see all this stuff. But it's like, until then, we're just going to keep storing all of it. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, what's, this, your, what's your thoughts on this whole philosophy? So a couple of things come to mind. Um, one, it's kind of the concept of data relevancy um, mm-hmm. and how much data utilization is, you know, each piece of data, how much does it actually create value? And then, and that is even something I've looked at before from even like on the supply chain side of things. How do you value your data as a service company? How do you value the data that you're bringing to the table to provide to the bigger picture here. And people talk about, oh, well, you can you can say, well, when we didn't have the right data, we made a $75 million mistake or we did this or we did that. But those are technically all sunk costs. And so that's all in the past. What's the value of that one piece of data? And um, that's where, you know, I don't think we have an answer yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think we know exactly yet. And I think that, but I think having having that data collected, having that big, you know, that big data um, environment, but having it organized. Now I know I have good data. And so I I gave an analogy the other day um, about grocery stores. So grocery stores, you know, require a great location, good, um, you know, building structure, awesome supply chains. Must be an HEB. We're going. Right. Um, And, (laughs) and um, I too love HEB. I'm sad they closed the one by us. Um, But uh, the, the, you know, you, you need all these different things. You need security, you need infrastructure, you need, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly throughput in your checkout lines and everything. But the reality is, you know, what's going to kill a grocery store? Crappy produce. Yeah. I mean, if you have bad produce, nobody's going to shop there. I don't care because the rest of it, they can just find it somewhere else. And so it's, it, we're really focused on how do you make sure that that produce is awesome and it's the best you're going to get. Like um, H-E-B. Like H-E-B. Mm-hmm. And um, so- I don't, I can't tell you what the individual value of one orange is, but I can tell you that the value of good produce every time, (laughs) exactly, is going to be delicious and it's going to, it's going to be valuable to you. But I don't know, I don't know how much you value an orange versus the next person versus my five-year-olds. I mean, and I can't, I can't make that decision for you. Especially when you look at it in the context of A and D, maybe operator A wasn't able to extract any value out of operator B pushing the limits on artificial intelligence, ML, whatever you want to call it, throw a buzzword at it, but yeah. they're doing something with it. Right? Yeah. They're able to unlock some new potential using that piece of data. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have. Yes. Right? And I mean, for some of our, our customer base, I mean, we've got 10 years worth of data, 10 years in very large basins. And that's a lot of data that, you know, now we're talking to them about how do we bring in some more of that, um, you know, artificial intelligence and kind of more advanced analytics and things. How can so like we, things you guys are wanting to like build in house? Um, we're not necessarily wanting to be an analytics company ourselves because mm-hmm. we, you know, feel like there's lots of analytics companies that do amazing stuff already. But if we can provide data on behalf of our operators that will help the operators be able to analyze that data better, we're happy to send it to them. I think it's smart because yeah, it's like, I mean, there's a million out and everybody already has Spotfire and a variety of other things, but what everybody's missing is having clean data in the first place. And so all these analytics are kind of 
Yeah, yeah it's good to have, but most likely it's wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, every time I hear a company say, well, once we get the data in, then this is what I can do. I immediately want to go find them right after they've presented because I say, once you get the data in, you don't know if your data going in is any good. And I've heard you say before, as a lot of people do, I mean, garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're like the pre-waste management, you know, again, data sanitation engineer trying to make it happen. You're like the um, analogy queen. You got tackle boxes, like grocery stores, sanitation. I try to make things relatable. You know, I mean, it's, it's oil and gas is truly complex, um, but it's also not. I mean, you mm -hmm. can, you can boil down a lot of components of it to businesses that people understand. And it doesn't have to be this like black box of yeah. what are those evil oil and gas people doing? And we're going same thing every other you know, business is doing, it's just with oil. Um, yeah. and frankly, even better than a lot of other companies. So <laughs> I love oil. So, gas. so, you, so you've been on for, <laughs> let's just call it what year, year and a half now. I'm sorry. You've been on for like a year and a year half, and a half. half. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? Um, what's on the horizon? Cause I feel like you guys have like really, I think adding you to the team from just everything that we've kind of talked about prior, you guys have really caught your stride. You're finding your positioning in the market. I'm super stoked to, to see what you guys do in the market. Like what's, what's next? I mean, honestly, it's, it's really business development is a key thing for us right now. Mm -hmm. Just growing, getting more folks that are either ramping up on their drilling operations or if they are acquiring new wells, um, or new well packages or companies completely. Um, those are the two areas that we're really looking to help people, um, create that complete well life cycle data picture so that it's, so that it's good data. Yeah. Um, and that, that's really the two, two avenues we're going down. Um, internally, we're looking at some ways to make our system be smarter, better, faster, cheaper. Um, you know, I, I said before that, I guess when, a, when something comes in, um, it gets, it goes through a system of checks. Um, mm -hmm. it's about, it's between a thousand and 2000, depending on the type of file, um, about one in 200 falls out. Um, and, um, that's where we're trying to see, can we utilize some things like machine learning and, and, and imagery analysis to better understand, especially the unstructured data. Yeah. Can we get that number even lower? Um, because we're continually trying to push on the service companies to make that number lower. We're continually trying to push on everyone to make that number lower, but, um, but in a, in a way that if, if it doesn't get lower, that's okay. We'll fix it for you. Yeah. And you guys are continuing to partner with like other software companies and startups and stuff in the space, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that's one um, of the things that, you know, we have companies in here every single week recording and it's like, you know, I'm sitting here talking about how bad the data problem is at the same time, we have more companies coming into the space, creating more data than ever right? at this crazy, crazy velocity. So ultimately that kind of makes the problem even worse. Yeah. Right. But with you guys, you know, working, you know, through, through APIs and a variety of other ways, you guys are working with more partners to, to help solve that problem too. Yeah. Um, we want to be, I want to be a best, best friends with every service company out there. Um, I want them to feel, um, you know, confident that we're going to help them get the best data to their operators. And then I want the people that are further down the path that are in the analytics space that are in the, you know, real-time drilling space that confident that the data that they're receiving is good, um, and is organized. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's, we're still having some discussions about exactly how that plays out from a business perspective, but certainly if, you know, we've got bi-directional APIs, if you want to ingest data or you want to send data, let's, let's talk. Cause that's what I want to do. Um, what's to your, I, the one question I forgot to ask was what's y'all's business model? 
Is it SAS? Is it SAS? SAS plus service? SAS plus service, really. Um, I mean, it's 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 SAS and the well, it's a blend of both because there's some of our products are really kind of the more standard monthly type things. Some of yeah. them are um, you know, more project based, especially some of those cleanup efforts with digital archive and things like that. But then there's um, you know, a kind of pay as you go feature, um, really kind of backbone to everything where we're not going to charge you. If you're not operating, we're not going to charge you yeah. for, you know, drilling data. If you're not drilling, like that's just silly. Um, and so that's one of the things that it has allowed us to kind of ebb and flow with the volatility that has been the last 11 years. Um, and something that I think the guys did a, that was a you know brilliant decision from the get go. Mm -hmm. Well, we see everything that moves and shakes in this space, and I'm extremely excited about you guys. You've been on my radar for a long time, um, but I just didn't understand exactly what you guys did. And that, I think it's maybe I just didn't take the time. Maybe the messaging was off. I don't know. Um, but I'm really excited to see what you guys do in this space. So, Thanks. Lindsay, I think we'll be, I think we're going to be seeing you at ETN one yes. of these years soon. Okay. Yes. And so, if you guys want to see Well Drive live, mm -hmm. ETN, I think we're going to do, we're in Houston, right? Yeah. October 27th. And Houston, if you didn't go to the last one, you totally missed out. But here's your chance. And you can see Lindsay's smiling face. So uh, thanks for coming. This <laughs> was course. this was a great episode. Yes. Thanks for making it happen on a Sunday. Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, you know, our business never sleeps. And so yeah, neither, neither do, do we. we. Um, so jinx. Awesome. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're excited for Energy Tech Night. We've got something real fun planned. Some more tackle boxes. <laughs> Some more analogies. It's a, little different than it's, a little, it's a little bigger than tackle boxes, but it's along the same vein. Yes. Um, so. It's a bass boat. All right, guys. Uh, if you like the episode, take two seconds to uh, share with your friends. And we would love to catch you out uh, if you're listening to some real time. Energy Tech 9, October 27th, Houston Heights Theater. We got room for 700 people. We packed it with 500 last time. So I think we'll be packed to the gills, but it's going to be a good time. Catch you guys later. Go, 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 go.